0: Now Christ once went through Samaria and then at the time that Lazarus was sick he went into Perea and now he goes up to Tyre and Sidon he crosses the border into the territory or area of the Gentiles. The same story is told in the 7th chapter of Mark And it says when the Lord reached that spot he went into a house to hide himself. Why do you suppose the Lord went into the house to hide himself? Well, it wasn't time for him to be in Gentile territory. He was up there to teach us a great lesson. I remember he was hiding in a house. Here was a woman of great faith, great zeal, great courage, great humility. She was a Syrophoenician woman. She was a Greek. She was of Canaan. She came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a demon. He answered her not a word. Want you to get that? She had no right to call him the son of David. She had no connection, no relation with David. He was not the son of David to her. He answered her not a word. Now notice what his disciples did. The 12 apostles His disciples came and besought him and said, Send her away. Now that's one reason I wouldn't have liked to have been here when Christ was here. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, this is the only opportunity that the twelve apostles had to preach to a Gentile. And the Lord had told them very definitely, Go not into the way of the Gentiles so they are obedient and they said send her away that poor needy unfortunate woman how she needed the mercy and ministry of the lord but they said send her away and notice what he said he said something that 98 out of 100 christians do not believe they do not believe it to this day He said, I am not sent but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And there was not one Gentile numbered with the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Now she dropped, son of David. And he answered and said, It is not right or meet to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs about 20 years ago I preached on this and there was a little man little bantam cocky fellow over it to the right and I said notice what the Lord said here what an insult to this woman I said he called the Jews children he called the Gentiles dogs this fellow jumped up and grabbed his hat and he rushed out and he said, no preacher can call me a dog and get away with it. Well, I just had to turn him over to the Lord. Now, this is what the Lord Jesus, it sounds almost cruel, doesn't it? Ungracious, at least. He said, it's not right to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith, be it unto thee as thou wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. I'll never forget hearing Paul Rader preach on this text. And he said that woman had such great faith that she just reached out over a dispensational wall and got something that didn't belong to her. That's a wonderful thought, isn't it? She's the exception. Great faith. She was not only willing to be called a dog, but in the book of Mark she says the puppy dog. Lord, if you'll bless me, I'll go lower than a dog. I'll be called a puppy dog and I'll get under the table and anything you want me to take. I want you to see that the door of salvation was not open for the Gentile while the Lord was here on earth, except for proselytes. And you'll see what it means when it says agonize to enter into the door. Agonize. Now let's notice in the, 20, uh, in the 14th chapter of Acts, this is just 14 years later, Paul has returned from his first missionary journey. He went from Antioch in Syria to Antioch in Pisidia, And he got back to Antioch in Syria, and it says when they were come and had gathered the church together, they rehearsed all that God had done, with him and how he had opened the door of faith unto the Gentiles. Now the door of faith was not open unto the Gentiles when Christ was on earth. It was opened unto one Gentile woman of great faith. Now here it's open to any kind of a Gentile, but that's 14 years later. Let's go back to the 25th chapter of Matthew and read about the wise and the foolish virgins. The 25th of Matthew. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They were foolish They that were foolish took their lamps, but they took no oil with them. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, and oil is a type of the Holy Spirit. Some things are explained in the Bible that we ought to understand, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept, And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. They all had lamps. They all had heard the word of God. Undoubtedly they knew all that they could have known at that time about the way of salvation. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. After it came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now in the matter of the Lord's coming, There are two separate and distinct phases of this truth. We've called your attention to the fact so many times that wherever Christ is mentioned as the Son of Man, it has nothing to do with his relation to the Church, which is his body. The Son of Man is the title of the Messiah of Israel in the matter of Israel's redemption and restoration and in the what is called the restitution of all things, or establishing the kingdom of heaven on earth. Now the Lord Jesus Christ is coming as the Son of Man. But that has nothing to do with the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. Behold, I show you a secret. We as members of the body of Christ shall not all die. We shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The Lord Himself shall descend. The dead in Christ shall be raised, and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Now it doesn't make any difference what phase of the Lord's coming you have. It's always suddenly. In the fifth chapter of First, Corinthians, uh, first uh, Timothy, or first Thessalonians it says When they shall cry peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon them as a woman in travail, and they shall not escape. You see the picture? Here's a woman in labor ready to deliver and have a child, and they don't have time to get the doctor there. That's the very picture. The Lord gives us a picture in the book of Matthew. He says, If you're on the housetop, you can't get down. Pray that your flight be not on the Sabbath day. And as the lightning comes from the east to the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, you know, after the lightning strikes, there's no use to try to dodge it after the flash. It's all over. How long does it take the lightning to come from the east to the west? That's the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. How will the Son of Man come for us as the head of the church? He says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. Now, you know, a moment can be less than one-sixtieth of a minute. It doesn't take one second to twinkle your eye. And everywhere you have the Lord coming, the Lord's coming, he's coming very suddenly. And he always says, watch, watch and pray. And to Israel he says, the Son of Man will come in an hour when you think not. And he says, no man except Almighty God the Father knows when that hour will be. And there's no member of the body of Christ knows when the Lord will come for us. But he's coming in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. But here's the general truth we have in the 13th chapter of Luke. Now notice this. The 24th verse, strive to enter in at the straight gate. Now this word strive is the word from which we get our word "agonize." Did you ever go through the four gospels John had the wonderful privilege of leaning on the bosom of the Savior, and he was called that disciple whom the Lord loved. But John didn't understand Christ and his teaching. Peter didn't understand Christ and his teaching. If you'll read Luke 18, 31 to 35, the Lord told him some very simple things, and it says, They understood nothing of what he said. It was hid from them. Well, you would have thought that uh, Mary and Martha, he loved to go to the house of Bethany, in Bethany and visit with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They didn't understand him. When he said to Mary and Martha, your brother will rise again, yes, yes, He'll rise at the last day, at the resurrection. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live, and whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this. They didn't say yes. We said, Lord, we believe you're that great prophet. And after Christ was raised from the dead, the two women went to the sepulcher, Joseph's tomb, and there was a great stone against that sepulcher door and they said who's going to roll away the door the stone from the door who's going to open this door for us so we can go in while they were wondering god sent someone there and opened that took that stone away and rolled it away and the door was open and they went and it was empty they found the grave closed there but he was gone And they rushed back and they saw Peter and ten of the disciples, all of them except uh, Judas. And there was one missing. There were just ten of them there. Thomas was missing besides Judas. But they went to the ten and they said, we've been to the sepulcher and it's open. And he's not there, he's risen. And what is the record? The record is that what they reported seemed to them as an idle tale and not one of them believed it. Peter says, I'm going fishing. They said, I'm going too. Did you ever study the 120 orphans in the first chapter of Acts? You know those 120 people in the upper room in Jerusalem? They were orphans. That's exactly what the Bible calls them. The Lord said in the 14th chapter of John, in the 18th verse, I will not leave you as orphans. If I come back, if I go away, I'll send the Holy Spirit. They had to wait 50 days, and during those 50 days they were orphans. They didn't have the Holy Spirit, they didn't have the Savior here, they were just tossed about and they said, Wilt thou at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They didn't know anything. They were orphans. And they're the only people in the Bible, save people, who were ever orphans. There have been no orphans from that day since the Holy Spirit came. What they stood in between the baptism of Christ on the cross and the baptism of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. And for 50 days there were 120 orphans they were not the only ones because there were more than 500 who saw Christ after he was raised from the dead. And I'm sure you wouldn't want to go back and live as orphans during that 50 days. That's the word, O-R-P-H-A-N-O-S, where it says comfortless. And an orphan is one who was without protection, according to uh, the Webster's Dictionary. They had no protection. They had no guidance. There they were. They were orphans. They were waiting for something. They weren't waiting for the church, which is his body, to begin. They were waiting for the restitution of all things, which was to begin by the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. There could be no kingdom of heaven on earth until the Holy Spirit came. There could be no body of Christ until the Holy Spirit came. And so you'd notice on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came, there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven. And there were a few proselytes. Now, a simple lesson in the Bible, a babe in Christ should know the difference between a proselyte Gentile and an idolatrous Gentile such as Paul met those that were dead in trespass and sin. A proselyte Gentile was saved. He was a Jew by religion. There were a few of them on the day of Pentecost. These were Jews. Now notice what he says here. Strive to enter in at this straight gate, for many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in, and shall not be able. Does anybody have to agonize to get in today? Nobody has to agonize today. It says, the mercy of the king is like the dew upon the grass, but the wrath of the king is like the roaring of the lion. Did you ever stop to think of the difference? Nobody can weigh the dew that falls upon the grass. It's so light and it falls so gently. That's the way God's mercy and grace falls today. But the wrath of the king is like the roaring of the lion and Jesus Christ is the lion, and he's going to roar. Don't you forget it. You have to meet him as they do upon the grass, or you have to meet him as a roaring lion. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be revealed with his holy angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't you think you can ever trifle with the Son of God? That man that died on the cross between those thieves was Almighty God in human form. He was the creator of the universe. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is before all things and by him all things consist. And the most important question that anyone ever asked and answered is this. What then shall I do with Jesus which is called Christ? And as the song goes, the time's going to be, you're going to be asking, what's he going to do with me? Well, notice what he's going to do here. And you see why they had to agonize? The door of the sepulcher hadn't been opened. The door of salvation hadn't been opened. wide. The Jews didn't understand it. Very, very few. Simeon was an Israelite in whom there was no guile like Nathaniel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And after he said he was waiting for the consolation of Israel, he said, let thy servant depart in peace. Well, if the consolation of Israel was going to be there, he wouldn't depart in peace because he was going to stay there. They didn't understand the Son of God at all. Nobody understood him. You remember Peter said, if all men forsake you, I'll not, and within a few days he was cursing the Lord and the cock was crowing. And they didn't know which way to turn. And he's told them in the midst of all their confusion in their state at that time, he says, you'll have to agonize if you want to get in. It's straight as the gate and narrow as the way that leads to eternal life. Few there be that find it. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door, and you begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. Now, this is when he's coming as the Son of Man. And as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. I read a little tract one time, perhaps you read it, what became of Noah's carpenters. Noah didn't build that ark all by himself. Noah had help when he was building that ark. What became of the carpenters? None of them got inside. And, you know, they laughed at him when he talked about there was going to be rain for 40 days and 40 nights and a flood would take all the human race. They laughed at him. He was a preacher of righteousness. And the Lord was willing to strive then by his Spirit for 120 years, we're told in the book of Genesis. I've often pictured that, and I think there were thousands upon thousands and perhaps hundreds of thousands that there were rushing and trying to get into that ark. If that ark was a picture of the Son of Man in the Day of Judgment, and here we have it, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get in, but the door's shut. There are thousands of people that have heard us preach and tell the story that the tribulation is coming after the church is raptured. I think there'll be literally thousands of people who'll try to get in, but it'll be too late. It'll be too late. Remember this. The door was opened. The door for the Gentiles was opened gradually. On the day of Pentecost, it wasn't open. And when Peter was given a vision and a sheep was let down three times, you remember, filled with all these unclean creatures, and the Lord said, Arise and slay and eat, he said, Not me. And I I'll not do that. And he said, Call not that common which I have made clean, And then he told the other 11 apostles, 10 of them, and they condemned him, but then they all rejoiced because God had given repentance unto life to the Gentile. But the door wasn't opened yet. That man that got in, that man Cornelius, was a just man and a religious man, a benevolent man. He was a philanthropist, and he was a man that feared God and a praying man. And the door was just a little he had to squeeze in, but after the Apostle Paul went down to Antioch and Pisidia and he got at Perga and then went over to Lydia, uh, over to uh, Lystra and Laconian, the Laconians, he went back home after he had said to the Jews, Seeing ye put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. The other Wednesday night we were taking the verses of Scripture on the house of God in the book of Psalms. And the psalmist said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tent of the riches. Now that's what you and I are. We're a doorkeeper. You know, ritualism teaches that the church is the door to Christ. The Bible teaches that Christ is the door to the church. They say you have to come into the church to get Christ. We say you have to get Christ to come into the church. You know, a man presents God. Man presents God to man. Christ presents man to God. He's a priest. We're preachers. We're doorkeepers. Now, the Lord said, I've placed before you an open door. That door is open. It was opened wide, but not until after Paul was sent out. It wasn't opened by the twelve apostles. It wasn't opened while Jesus was here on earth. It was opened after the apostle Paul said, Lo, we turn to the Gentiles. That's the reason we say that our marching orders today, we are told that we are ambassadors and ministers of reconciliation because God cast away Israel. And when God cast away that nation, he threw that door open wide and it's wide open. God hasn't closed. My, it's so easy to be saved today. Such a simple thing. When anybody takes the four Gospels and the kingdom, Gospel and the law, and mixes it all up, that person is a spiritual criminal in the sight of God. You'll have to give an account for it. Paul said, I right, do not frustrate the grace of God. And if a man or an angel pervert the gospel of the grace of God, let him be anathema. Let the curse of God be upon him. The door is wide open. Anywhere, anytime. You can be in your automobile, you can be in your kitchen, you can be washing or ironing, you can be at your desk, you can be anywhere. I told you about my friend Haynes. I think L.B. Haynes is one of the finest Christians I've ever known in my life. He's been in over 40 of the penitentiaries in the United States preaching the gospel. He was a man that I labored with in San Antonio when we were in our street work there. Great man of God. He was sitting in his office in St. Louis. He hadn't heard a sermon for 10 or 12 years. And he was reading the newspaper. And at the top of one column it says the scripture verse for today. John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It struck him just like that. There was somebody praying for him. He went into the coat room. Where his coat was, and he just looked up to the Lord and he said, Lord, I believe it now take you in the word. He was saved there without anybody talking to him. Somebody was praying for him. He became a wonderful Christian. Now, my dear friend, there's a house, and that house is the house of God, it's the house of salvation. And there's a door to the house. There's only one way you can get in. And Christ said, I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pastor. That door was opened after his death and resurrection and after the religious nation was set aside. It's wide open tonight, but it's going to be shut just like this. And God's going to slam the door in your face if you're not saved. Will you let him save you tonight? If you'll let him save you, he'll save you in a moment in the drinking. I was saved in less than five minutes' time. And he'd like to save you tonight.